What do you know about that, man? <laughs> That was pretty fun. <laughs> we have nothing to talk about, so thanks for listening. <laughs> no, we, the year in review is cool. Yeah, the year in review. Um, I, I the record you, water level of Cumberland's kind of cool. Well, there's about. some good stuff. I was just joking when I said we had nothing to talk about. <laughs> we're, we're good. I will tell you real quick that um, you know we're trying to schedule some podcasts. Laura is one. John Morgan is mm -hmm. another. People we've talked to who just couldn't come on right now because they're they're busy, right? Mm -hmm. I got a phone call this morning from a guy, he's a buddy of mine, he's a sheriff's deputy, and uh, he was saying, man, I've got a great idea for a podcast, really need to have John Brunges on and, and another waterfowl hunter on to talk about waterfowl, what's going on with waterfowl right now. Mm -hmm. He said a lot of people, you know, the past couple of years have just been off, and there's different theories as to- I just saw John walking yeah, over here. Well, we, we're gonna have to line that up, but he was saying there's different theories on, you know, why the waterfowl hunting isn't what it was a couple of years ago, and what's going on with the migration, and bring John on and some other people and, and talk to him about what's going on as far as the climate and mm -hmm. weather up north and different parts of the countries and why waterfowl hunting is a little bit slow right now. Mm -hmm. I thought that would be a great idea. Yeah, I do too. So we got stuff in the works. It's just been hard to put everything together. Yeah. With ball and still everybody rolling. I've talked to me like, I'm, I'm so busy, but you know, yeah. balked. I oh. think there's a lot of people who are worried about it. And Kyle was and I was walking over and he was like, hey, this was fun. I was like, told you it's not what that bad. to worry about? Yeah, I know. I think people think that it's video and you're going to be on video and all that you know which makes people uptight the biggest concern i ever have and this shows you how little you have to be worried about coming on the podcast is the, the an airplane crashing into the building or mowing right beside the window <laughs> <laughs> we don't have to worry about that for a couple months i hope not man i don't know they keep that stuff mowed it grows a half inch there out there they were blowing the leaves out of the drainage ditch by the pond today do what you gotta do Let's see, what do we got? I, I do have notes. Um, holidays, been hard mm -hmm. to schedule people, mm -hmm. um, blah, blah, blah. Yesterday was Law Enforcement Appreciation Day. Mm -hmm. I just talked a little bit about law enforcement because it's the guy I talked to earlier. Um, have we ever touched on the KFW Law app on the podcast? I don't think so. So that's something that you, you know some details about. I, I feel like I got a pretty good handle on it. Well, you so, know, I've not used it, so. I've, I've used it and I filed a report just for demo purposes, because we did a video on it um, and put it on YouTube. So this is the, it's called KFW Law, and it's a law enforcement app, a fish and wildlife law enforcement app, where people can send in tips completely anonymously. So it, the, the app scrambles all your data, you don't provide your name, you don't, they have no way to know who sent the tip in, right? Mm -hmm. Which is, is important to people, if they're giving a tip on somebody, they don't mm -hmm. really want to be pointed out. Yeah, you don't want them to pour sugar in your tank. But you can, uh, you know, like write out a description, you can upload a photo or a video, and it's kind of cool. It's a very simple app to use, so if somebody, a lot of people, like, send me messages, for instance. I get messages on Facebook and Instagram saying, hey, I was walking this WMA the other day, and I found a corn pile, and it's baiting's illegal on WMAs. Mm -hmm. Who do I talk to about this? And in the past, I'd, you know, well, let me contact your local mm -hmm. uh, conservation officer, reach out to the WMA manager or something like that. Well, now, I mean, you can do it from your cell phone, because you can drop a pen, you can take a picture of the corn pile you can send it in and then you're done with it you know what i mean so it's got a lot of use uses but i will say that major carrier when i talked to him about it said that it's not for immediate assistance like if you're mm -hmm. in you need a co there in 10 minutes flat then you call you need to call but if you're just you know wanting to send in a tip or give a tip somebody shot you know a couple extra bucks or something like that then you can you can do it through that. So the KFW Law app, and like I said, I was kind of thinking about that because yesterday was Law Enforcement Appreciation Day. We put out a pretty nice video. I don't know if you saw that or not. Yeah, the I, I saw it. put out also. Yeah. 
yeah, turned out pretty good. That's from a couple of our law enforcement shoots that we did for the show. One of them hasn't aired yet, and it's a good piece. I'm looking forward to it hitting TV here in a couple months. Cool. It's a boating piece, though, so we don't really want to run it this yeah. time of year. <laughs> don't, don't worry about boating so much. Well, the people out there on a boat right now are your hardcore fishermen. Yeah. And honestly, it's one of the best times of year to... Oh, I love it. I know. That's Considering I got skunked yesterday, I still love it. Oh, yeah, I forgot you I guys never, went. I never got... I've never been skunked at Otter Creek before. Well, Have you? Mark that off your list, Lee. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think if I've ever been skunked at Otter Creek. I'd say I have. I think I went fly fishing there with my buddy Bobby one time. We started at the Blue Hole and worked down, and we didn't catch any. But, I mean, it was the last time I went to Otter Creek. You like the Blue Hole better than Cornetsville? Cornetsville. It's less crowded, usually. Mm-hmm. Um, is it Garnettsville or Cornetsville? Garnettsville. Okay. Sort of the other, the G. You're talking about the right when you go in the main yeah. gates of Otter Creek on the right. Yeah. There used to be a town down there, didn't there? I guess so, yeah. I think that's what I heard. But no, I, I like the Blue Hole just because it's secluded back there. Less people. And it's closer to the river, so I was thinking bigger fish, but mm-hmm. I don't think that's true. They stock them at Garnettsville. Yeah. And a lot of times I think that's where the fish hang out. But I was bummed I couldn't go with you. I'm sorry you got skunked, but when I heard you got skunked, I didn't feel I'm, so bad. I'm about sure that. you felt a lot better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, well, it was, I mean, there was just a lot of, I mean, every hole I knew to fish. A lot of people. Was camped. Yeah, yeah. there's three guys camped on it. So well, that's just kind of how it goes. And they haven't stocked it since October, but I, I just found out that for the last three years, they've been putting 1,250, 12 to 13 inch. They're grazing them bigger, so they have oh, yeah. a little bit better. I don't think DU's putting the trophy fish in there like they were for a while. Do you remember that when they were putting the big ones in there? Um, the 15 inches? Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. I'd have to ask somebody from fisheries. I'm going to ask Dreves. I've got a meeting with him after this. It's been so hard to uh, get outside and do anything. I mean, it's been days I've wanted to go coyote hunting. It's been, you know, hot and windy or full sun or this is wrong, that's wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm just ready for a 25 degree Five mile an hour wind with snow on the ground day. I know. That's that's what I, I just want, want some snow. I'm not I'm not necessarily complaining about sixty degrees when I wake up this morning either. Mm-hmm. I mean that was okay, especially since it wasn't raining the six inches it said it was going I to. I know. Is that still coming? Do you no, know? I think it's going to be like around an inch for us. I can deal with that. Yeah, me too. I was worried we weren't going to be able to get on the water or do anything for the show if we got six inches of rain. Oh for yeah, a, be, yeah, a month and a half probably. Yeah, I'd be blown out till. Maybe uh, that rain holding off, we can actually get out there and do something. That was the latest as of noon. Good. Well, I, I've been watching the rain chances, and it said, you know, 100%, 100%, 100%. And then this morning, you know, I woke up, and I was expecting rain, and it wasn't raining. So I pulled out my phone, and I looked at it again, and it was down to like 35%, 40%. And it's only about a day and a half worth of percent chances, mm-hmm. so I'm not sure if it's going to, uh, you know, do what they said at all. What do you got written down over there, Lee? I'm just rambling. Um, are we on yet? Are We've we been recording? on forever, Lee. <laughs> yeah. What <the> <laughs> Good. What do you think I was talking about? say, but we haven't done our intro, so. Oh, well, it's just me and you today. Okay. So I don't know if we, because typically, you know, I'm, I'm Chase Winter, your host of the podcast, co-host mm-hmm. Lee McClellan. Yes. And then you say, hope everybody's having a good having day. Having a good day. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> All just, right. Yeah, we've been on. <laughs> okay. Well. Anything stupid, just delete out. Yeah, there was one thing in there I'm going to have to <laughs> So if people are listening right now, they, so you, there's something you didn't hear. We hit the dump button. <laughs> we usually don't do that. We, we've been pretty much running everything 100% as live. I record the podcast, and then we, you know, I just upload it mm-hmm. as is. But, uh, yeah. Well, well I, <clears throat> but that is good to know. They've been putting 12 inches in there for the last three years at Otter Creek at Garnettsville. <laughs> So, did, you, did you notice uh, the different microphones today, too? Um, well, it looks the same, but it's uh, they're, they're hardwired. Yeah. Cool. In, instead of using the, the wireless mics, I think we're going to try this out and see how it works. 
I mean, it's simpler because mm -hmm. I don't have to take. What's it. that? Those are these are the microphones. No, what's the this? Mm -hmm. That's our audio recorder. That's what we've been using for a little bit now. Okay, it's nice because uh, one of the issues we used to have was all these mics went in as one channel of audio. So if somebody was a little high, somebody was a little bit mm -hmm. low, couldn't adjust it. You yeah. know what I mean? So now it's giving me different separate channels of audio for everybody. So hopefully, I, hopefully I can make it sound better. Yes, and it's Garnettsville, not Cornettsville. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was not talking. I, about I think that. I call it that interchangeably. But. Yeah, well, as long as you know what you're talking about. Yeah, but it, it was a uh, you know, but that's that's a good opportunity. But I think those fish have gotten a little bit educated since October. You know, probably so. Probably a lot of sore mouths. Mm -hmm. But I still see people catching them. Oh, it, so. yeah. I saw one. It was just a tough day yesterday. It's just nice. one of those days. Sometimes it happens. I'll tell you who I see down there the most, and this is on social media, is uh, John Bolt. Yeah, you asked me last night, yeah. and I was like, oh, yeah. I forgot. He's, he, the, he's yeah. down there all the time. Let's see. What do you got written down over there? First of all, one of the things, you know, we talked a little bit about doing a year in review. I just think that it was fascinating that we got at Lake Cumberland, February 26th, we had a pool level of 756.52, which is the record by nearly 10 feet. And, um, you know, I have a good friend who has a, a private slip down there that not very many people do. He was grandfathered in. He got uh, in before. They, they uh, didn't allow people to have private slips anymore. And he spray painted a mark on the bluff. And we were down there in September, and you just can't imagine yeah. how high that was. It's unfathomable now to look up and like, it was this high? Just the, beyond belief. The best indicator mm. I've seen was uh, 76 Falls. Where, did you see those pictures? Yeah, I saw, I mean, yeah. 76 Falls was basically flush. A riffle. Yeah, yeah, it was nothing. People were going through it in their canoes, <laughs> you know, going over 76 <laughs> Falls in their canoes. And, I mean, it's normally, like, what, a 25 or 30-foot drop? Yes, to it normal, is. To normal pool? I mean, it's just ridiculous. I'd, I'd say a lot of people out there probably saw those videos and stuff. Because I saw, for, I mean, it was two or three days straight, there were people canoeing over 76 mm -hmm. Falls or, you know, just walking off the edge of it. <laughs> it was pretty funny. Well, and then uh, the the video of how much water they had to release out of the dam. And oh, yeah. Tore up the campground and the boat ramp. But they fixed, uh, the, there were several damages to the infrastructure, but... They, they repaired it way ahead of schedule. So. Good, good, good. And um, they were concerned as we got into fall there'd be a fish kill maybe because when you pull uh, that much water, much water out, you pull the habitat for the striper and the walleye out of the lake too. But that did not happen, did Did it? not happen, but there were significant in areas of uh, alewife yeah. that went up. So might well, make better fish in this spring. Yeah, well, alewives are invasive anyway, right? Yeah. Yes, they and are. And so they're invasive, and yeah, like you said, all the, all the big fish are still going to be there. If there's mm -hmm. a shortage of alewives, it might yep. be harder for the guides to find bait. But I know, the but they'll time. be more aggressive because of higher competition, Maybe. potentially. Well, you know, that might make me even more likely to get out there and do that uh, June topwater bite. Is it like yeah. late May, early June? Well, it's, it can start as, as, as early as late April and goes through about first second yeah. week of june that might be oh it'll uh, be great that might be the most exciting fishing in the entire state no it is, is when the stripers come up and they're hitting top water and they do it in the middle of the night and if you can get out there i mean like i said i did it on out of a kayak before and it's i mean you're over there just casting right along the bank with the top water bait like a a, a sliver mm -hmm. or a red fan. a red fan yeah things like that um jointed thunder stick yeah. is a really good bait so can, if people can imagine being out there on a kayak, it was really cool because it was completely still. You know, you're kind of feeling the waves, and it's dark out. So, you know, the moon's reflecting off the water. That's what you want is a bright moon. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just really calm and really quiet, and you're bringing that bait across the water, and then all of a sudden it just blows up. 
and you've got a, a striper hooked up in the middle of the night, top water on a kayak. That's like one of the cooler fishing experiences. I bet. Out there. Well, I've done it out of a boat, and it is. Yeah, still. Got to make your heart leap in your throat when they hit, because well, it's you, a savage hit. I told you we went out there. It was me and Bobby. He, he took his canoe, and I took my kayak, and we put in at the dam, and we went across the dam at sunset, and then we fished those first couple of creeks up mm-hmm. um, doing that topwater bite. And I caught a largemouth, a smallmouth, a striper, and a channel cat. Wow. One, I've caught channel cats on top water. I've caught, I caught one of each. Bobby didn't catch a fish. But he he was in his, uh, he had his camp stove, and he was brewing coffee at 2 a.m. for me <laughs> and giving me coffee. And he had a sausage. In his, ca- in his canoe? Yeah, in his canoe. He had his camp stove set up, and he was over there. He cooked uh, sausage and bacon for us. <laughs> and so I was just I was just sitting there hammering fish out of my uh, kayak, and Bobby's over there cooking me coffee. And, I mean, it was a great trip, great trip. And when we stayed out there on the water until the sun came up, and we were, uh, paddling back across the dam probably half an hour after sunrise and the geese were out there and we'd paddle and the fog was real thick on the water Mm -hmm. and as we were paddling across i mean all you could see was fog you couldn't see a shore you couldn't see the the dam or anything and then you'd paddle up on a flock of geese out there and they'd take off off the water it was really cool i bet i want to go back and do that trip yeah it's it's great it takes on you got to commit to it Mm -hmm. because taking the i'm speaking from a kayak angler taking the kayak out driving for me three hours to Lake Cumberland and putting on and dedicating yourself to going across the dam. Cause I'm not a huge fan of going back across the dam in the pitch dark, you know? Mm-hmm. So we were over there in those creeks and staying on your boat for 14 hours without stepping foot off of it. I mean, you got to dedicate yourself to it, but it's worth it. No doubt. I'm going to go and back. I, when I've been, I've picked up a few monster walleye before. I never, I need to do that. But I, I know that a lot of people do the top water bite for walleye. You can hear them, uh, sucking the surface there mm-hmm. you know you can always tell a difference and resist the temptation to set the hook early because those walleye are really hard to hook up with when they hit a top water i'd say that's true for any top and water bite don't set the hook till you feel the weight i can't tell you how many times i've been, well, it's exciting and you, your yeah. instinctual reaction is yeah you pull, pull it even pulling like in a farm pond a buzz bait across the water or a moss a moss mouse or a frog or something like that you see that you see the you know, the blow up and you go to set the hook and most of the time it's just a bait flying through there. Yep. You gotta feel the you gotta feel you gotta the feel the weight or it's gone. Man, Lee, I want to go fishing. We're me too. Here, we're sitting here talking about all this and it makes me want to get out of there. <laughs> I know. Now fishing pole. I've got still, it bad. It's still riding around in my car. I'm itching to go back to the falls too, but I'm not sure when that's going to be good again. Mm-hmm. And of course, I wade fish there. The river was well up yesterday. Yeah, it's going to be like that, especially after this rain comes in. What else you got? I like your bullet points so far. They're making me reminiscent. Well, um, just for me, my best fishing trip of the year was I uh, went with an old friend on uh, Cumberland River down by Berksville. Uh-huh. And he turned me on to, uh, his name's Jerry McDaniel. He's a well-known guy down there. Um, uh, he, has a, he has a line class record for stripers on the tippet. Really? I think. I can't remember, but it's, it's, still, it's still valid. But okay. he's got a line class record for stripers I'm gonna, on, on a fly rod. So that is what you guys hammer some good ones down. Oh there. my God, it was great. We uh, he had he tied a cicada fly, and it looked dead on a cicada. Yeah. And that's that time of year when the he says in are, July and August they'll yeah. just start dropping, and those those uh those those trout will key on that cicada. Yeah. And we had a dropper with a beadhead pheasant tail, brown and uh, black head, brown body. Um, and most of the fish came on the dropper, but the mm-hmm. slug of generation water hit us, yeah. and then it was all top water. Yeah. And it was so exciting seeing 
18, 19 inch rainbows just swimming and you could see them getting ready and your heart was going like, and there they would come and whoop. I mean, 10 feet from you, it's like, don't you know I'm here? They were just so keyed in on it and then down they went. It was it was really one of my favorite trips, maybe ever. I didn't get to hit the Cumberland. Best trip this year by far. I didn't get to hit the Cumberland River this year. Um, I wanted to, never made it happen. I'd say my best fishing trip of the year, it's, it's tough. I'd say it's probably a trip to the falls hammering a bunch of trophy hybrids mm -hmm. i mean i was just out there you know by myself one day after work you know in the summer when the sun stays up until you know nine o'clock i love it got off work drove to my house got my wading boots threw on a pair of shorts and my grabbed my fishing pole and stuff and just went over to the falls to kill some time by myself and you know, so that, you waited in from the interpretive center yeah and of course uh, i've done well there sauger and stuff i'm talking right up there by the wall yeah um, i love that under spot. pretty much directly under the bridge is where I'm talking about. And I remember I, know I, it. I found a, a seam like where water was kind of coming through, you know where the waterfalls, waterfalls are over to the far left. Mm -hmm. Well, that water pours down through some main riffles, but over there right against the wall, there's a seam where it also comes through and shoots along that wall. Yeah, I, I fished there. And I saw that water coming through that seam and dumping out into the, the bigger pool and I was thinking that's a spot. And it was like once out of every four or five casts, I mean, just got hammered. And then 20, four inch hybrids in that current i mean it was a, it was a i good, bet yeah it was a really good time that's how I, I broke my fishing pole there too doing that that day your fenwick yeah well not my fenwick it was the uh worse than that what's the one i broke you oh know, my uh your zodius or the no, uh, thank, uh, thank god it wasn't a zodius <laughs> it was in between the two um, why, why am i blank Corrado. Corrado. Yeah, yeah it's Corrado. but uh well worth it man well worth it yeah i'm gonna go back I mean, if you're gonna break a rod it's better break it on a big fish than well, break a door. the very tip too because i just threw a replacement tip on it and i've got a instead of a seven foot two i have a six foot eight you know so it's still pretty close but that was probably my best fishing trip of the year and then what else you got i like these bullet points well um for me you know i'm just i got to float the elkhorn with the the author richard taylor who just wrote an award-winning book called yeah. the elkhorn yeah you told me that book seemed really interesting oh it's fascinating and uh, it's you know just really rare you get to float a, a stream with a guy who just wrote a book about the stream you're floating on. And he's yeah. a fascinating guy. And we've, we've got a video that will come out. I'm doing a story for the spring issue of the magazine. I've written a big chunk of it already. And we're going to have a companion video to go along with and a ton of pictures. And uh, it was uh, one of my favorite days of my career. Well, we did it twice. We floated. The whole party talked about the book we floated. Yeah. Because huh. his book concerns Forks Elkhorn to Knight's Bridge. And we floated Forks Elkhorn to Softly's Bottoms or Church's Grove. I prefer Church's Grove, but Lowesville called Softly's Bottoms now. And then the next time we put in it, Church's Grove and took out a nice bridge. Yeah, I'd so. like to, my, okay, well, we're talking about floats on the Elkhorn. And yeah, you remember you mentioned in that book and it's something I, I was, because I love the Elkhorn. I spent a lot of time out there. It's something I'd like to, you know, read about. My favorite float this year on the Elkhorn was probably a bow fishing trip, putting in at Canoe, Kentucky, taking out at 127. We took fishing rods too, but um, it was one of those hot days where the water was low and crystal clear, you know, probably running like 85 mm -hmm. CFS. That was a lot of this year. Well, as after July or so. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was real low. And it's one of those things where you can stand up in the kayak and, you know, just have your bow fishing rig ready and you're basically just floating through a foot and a half of water where you can see clean to the bottom. And there's a drum, there's a drum, there's a drum, there's a carp, you know, gar everywhere. And you can see so many, so many big rough fish. And it's amazing the size of some of the drum. Mm -hmm. the They're carp. in the Elkhorn, I know. I mean, you're, I'm talking 
20-pound drum and 20-pound carp probably. Did you shoot any good ones that day? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, probably nothing over 10. But, I mean, there's, Still. A, little, there's a lot of big fish in the elkhorn. There's a lot of gar in the elkhorn. Yeah, the gar are pretty ridiculous. We caught some sauger in the elkhorn last year, too. I've caught sauger before. That, in July. And that might be the... I think they move up into the tributaries in the summer. Because I've, I've had really good luck summer fishing, uh, like Drennan Creek and Henry County, and catching them in the Elkhorn and things like that. And, of course, everybody thinks of the sauger as being a... Winter fish. Yeah. A winter fish in the rivers. And I'll tell you what, that might be one of the better opportunities coming up right now. If somebody was just down to go fishing, I mean, farm ponds are always an option, things like mm -hmm. that. But if you're wanting a little bit more of a an adventure and maybe a better tasting fish, go blow a dam on the Kentucky River or Ohio River and... Mm -hmm catch a mess of sauger mm -hmm. and they taste good yeah they're delicious like i've said this before on the podcast the sauger family so walleye sauger sauger which is technically a perch right yeah Those yellow perch per too are in that family the perch family um best tasting fish don't the, you think uh that's what i was saying they're they're i think i got two favorites i also like the maronis yeah i do so too the, the white bass the striped bass and the hybrids are right there as well. And I love crappie too, but I think I like yellow perch better than any. I've never caught a yellow perch. We do you'll, have them in Kentucky. So you'll I, catch them in Kentucky Lake. I mean, but they're hard to target. I was wanting to do a story on them one time. I started interviewing people. It's like, yeah. Lee, I don't, t don't know how to tell you how to target them. Yeah. Uh, you just catch them when you're crappie fishing sometimes. You'll get yeah. into a little pot of them. We've only targeted them once, and this is for the show. We went to Linville and mm. targeted them there. And because one of our Marcy, um, Anderson, one of our fisheries biologists, told us that there is a state record perch swimming around in Linville. For a fact, they sampled it, put mm -hmm. it back in the water, um, or they surveyed it and put it right back in the water. So there's for a fact a new state record swimming in there. So we went down there and we were targeting them. And I don't know if Chad's ever targeted a perch before either. So we were just, you know, trying to figure it out. And we didn't catch anything. And then, of course, we were getting ready to put the boat back on the on the trailer and this little kid comes down he's probably like five or six years old he's standing there by the water looking at us and he's like i caught a six pound bass right here earlier today and he's just telling us about this bass he caught took a cast and caught a nice bass right in front of us after we got, <laughs> we got stuck out there um that lake has mean mouth bass yeah yeah mean we, mouth that is a strange that, lake and this yeah. is a lake that's right off of i-75 it was i think the interstate kind of made the, the lake. No, it's basically the dam. Yeah. Um, I-75 south of, of Berea. Mm -hmm. It's probably... It's, it's near Mount Vernon. Yeah, yeah. Well, and there's a... What's it? You um, take the Renfro Valley exit. Renfro you get Valley around. is what mm -hmm. it is. Renfro Valley. I, I fished it a lot in college. I was at Eastern. Man, I never had hit it until we went on that day. But Mean Mouth Bass has a, a yellow perch and it has a hybrids in it, I think. And it's a small lake. Mean Mouth are a, a natural cross between a spotted bass and a smallmouth spot in a small mouth yeah. i thought i caught one one time in the salt river i caught you, the, i mean they happen they hybridize occasionally. i've got a picture of it still but it was the strangest looking i keep it was a, a small mouth w with like a white belly and some mm -hmm. white speckling coming up its body i was i was looking at it i was like, is this a small mouth or is this a spot if it's a spot it's the you know greenest most um mm -hmm. full of color on the top of its back spot that i've ever seen because usually they have like real defined black spots and, mm -hmm. and speckles but this and one the thicker middle band there it's darker and thicker on the spotted yeah bass. this one it looked like a smallmouth until you got to the that's why this one it had the rays coming off the face like a smallmouth does yeah um we had one in the magazine guy i think it was like six pounds it was a whopper huh. and uh i bet rick uh, i think a diet dr pepper 
um, that that was a small mouth. He said me mouth, and he won. So, really? So how, did you, how did you officially tell it was a small Well, um, some of the fisheries biologists looked at the moristics and... But you know, it did. It had elements of both. Yeah. I mean, it really looked smallmouthy. But then, like that, you're right. The top half of it looked smallmouthy. But then the bottom, it had the spots and some of um, the, some fish are hard to tell, man. Like mm-hmm. there's some saw guy. I, it's really hard to distinguish them from a sauger or walleye. Like really hard. And uh, that's actually why we changed the regs on those species. Yes. So now they're consistent for all of them. All right? of them. Just because yes. it's when it's that hard to tell, you can't really expect the your average person to be able to i mean sometimes fisheries biologists are looking at these fish and well it's kind of you know they're, they're not 100 percent positive so it's kind of hard to that's have that's why we did the 15 inch yeah. you can only keep so many maronis 15 i think five over 15 right per day that way for the hybrids people don't have to tell a hybrid and the white bass apart yeah I, I like looking at the regs i i'm trying i was so, sorry i was looking for that dang picture so i could show you this one that i thought might have been a mean mouth it was the first fishing trip of the year i took me and Bob went wade fishing on the salt, and I think it was probably February. And um, thank God for waders. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I, I'm not going to waste too much time looking for this. Well, I gave my old leaky, leakier waders to Jameson, and uh, I took my newer ones out, but they're actually some that I bought for hunting, but they're breathables. But I'm going to have to get some fishing, new fishing waders. That's what I got. Um, Kristen. They're, they're too baggy. That's what I got. And, and the neoprene booty is too thick for any of my wade boots. And they're really baggy, and baggy means drag when you're in current. Yeah, so, that's true. That's uh, true. Yesterday, I was struggling on spots I shouldn't have gotten gotten across pretty easily. I was like, ooh, that's a little pushy, and mm-hmm. I had to kind of be ginger. And I was like, well, no wonder you have a sail attached to your crotch. <laughs> <laughs> that's, what I got, uh, that's what I got Kristen for Christmas was a pair of waders. Breathables? No, just uh, like a, the PVC almost. I think oh, the, that, the canvas and rubberized canvas? Yeah. I think she'll like them for, uh, and something I'm actually really looking forward to doing this year. Okay, we were talking about best trips last year. One of the most unique trips I went on, well, I'll say there's two, right, was uh, the salamander migration in April. We went and we found, I mean, I'm talking thousands and thousands of, of spotted salamanders in these vernal pools. And there were salamanders and newts and I mean, just driving down the road, you'd be seeing salamanders everywhere. And it was on a, one of those nights where, you know, it's warm and it's raining and we were out there in the middle of the woods and rain's coming down. And literally, I mean, you could dip your hand into one of these vernal pools and just pull out five big, huge salamanders. And it was cool to see. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think that... Was that in the gorge? That was at Cave Run. We also went in the gorge. I mean, there's spots everywhere. Taylorsville Lake. I mean, you can go pretty much anywhere and... People don't ever really see salamanders. They don't really think about them a whole lot. But it's amazing when you see them in that big of a, that big of numbers. How many there really are out there? You know, this time of year, a lot of them are buried in leaf litter mm-hmm. or you know under logs, and you just never see them. But there's a lot of them. And I'd say my other coolest trip that wasn't hunting or fishing was uh, the rattlesnakes. That I was going to say the rattlesnakes in yeah. Mammoth Cave. We found quite a few rattlesnakes, but the ones at Mammoth Cave were probably the coolest. Um, Y'all got awful close to those, making me nervous. Well, you know, I, I keep fairly safe. But, um, yeah, rattlesnakes, nothing to mess with. But we were hiking, looking for snakes that day, and there, you know, a, a south-facing rocky hillside is pretty much ideal rattlesnake habitat. And we were hiking, and we were like, hey, there's a south-facing rocky hillside over there. Maybe we should go see if there's a rattlesnake. And, <laughs> We were walking on the... Most people say, so that way I can run the other way. Well, you know, 
but we were we were we went down on the hillside and we were hiking it and you know i'm just looking for rattlesnakes kind of looking off in the distance looking around my feet and then i look up and there's one literally me to you just sitting there on the rocks and uh, it's really kind of eerie when you first see one even if you're out there looking for them and you kind of expect them to be there because i mean they're this big just a different looking kind of snake and the you know the timbers they they start off kind of a yellow or a brown or a mm -hmm. gold and then they taper they fade into a black for the past for the last foot or so of their tail and then it's just jet black to the rattle and this uh rattlesnake was just laying out on these rocks and i told her i was like hey there's one down here and i was kind of watching her feet as she was walking around and then as i was watching her feet i spotted another one i was like well there's another one and the second one was only seven or eight feet away from the first one and uh, of course the first one started to rattle and that's just like a hair raising like a real eerie thing but well heck yeah it's so cool though and then it kind of crawled off into some rocks and the second one hung out there for us for a minute and it didn't really act like it wanted to move and then eventually it started rattling and you know it crawled into some rocks too and i showed McGregor, and I, I was telling her and i have a video of it it's like that is the biggest rattlesnake i've ever seen i'm talking it was thicker I mean, it was thicker yep. than a gatorade bottle and i showed the video to uh mcgregor john mcgregor and he said it had a squirrel in it most likely he could tell by the way that it crawled one certain section of its belly didn't mm -hmm. didn't bend he said probably why it didn't want to move it was so full that's pretty cool though no no doubt and then i thought man that's a bad way to go if you're a squirrel <laughs> <laughs> like, it's got to be about as bad as it gets <laughs> but no that was really cool to see those rattlesnakes i don't suggest everybody just goes out and looks for rattlesnakes because well actually the only deaths and that we have record of from rattlesnake bites have been the snake handling mm -hmm. preachers and that's just because you keep your distance i mean i bet i've walked by a thousand copperheads oh, and never knew it you well, know i've yeah well i'm out there on the trails in the gorge at night a lot of times and i mean those copperheads will be right there you almost step on them and uh actually i almost did step on her my foot came down about an inch from one this year it was cooled up and that was in the daytime at the gorge but I mean, the only people who have ever died of them are people who refused treatment for the rattlesnakes. And we ought to have McGregor on sometime because I think that some of the snake stuff is the most fascinating. Mm -hmm. Like, I would love to talk more about the different types of venom and why a rattlesnake is so much more harmful than a regular, you know, copperhead or something like that because of the, there's two different types of venom. But I don't want to misspeak. I don't want to say the wrong thing and give wrong information. So we need to have an expert on sometime that can explain how you know, one of them attacks the nervous system, one of them attacks the you know, tissue and, and things like that. I had a good friend was um, floating um, Buffalo River in Arkansas. Mm -hmm. And they had put their waders out on the rail the night before to dry at the cabin they were renting. Mm -hmm. Well, they uh, put their waders on all that and they go to the river and he starts feeling a burning sensation after about a half mile into the float. Mm -hmm. And he takes his waders off and there's a red yep. big bright red mr brown recluse yep and there's no way to go back upstream yep. if you know kayaks aren't motorized they went through several big drops no way so he had like four more five more miles to go so uh, they had to paddle like hell knowing that he had yeah, poison bad, in him that's a bad bite yeah you know what i was and just then thinking? by the time he got he said it was just as but he took pictures of it it was a lot of people have permanent scars from those yeah he still does because that's one of the venoms that attacks tissue and it, it kills the tissue yeah, doesn't it deteriorates it yeah and that's a similar to what a rattlesnake does the way i understand it so they ran their shuttle and then went straight to the hospital you know i'll tell you what <laughs> we have uh, an abundance of brown recluses in this building 
Yeah, no. Have you seen we, that? We do too up front. Have you? But have you ever seen our sticky tape that we keep in the cabinets here? Oh yeah, well we we have them all the time. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I, I was getting paper one day and Laura uh, Burford Burford was beside me, and I was like, oh damn, dead spider. And she went, no, that's a dead brown recluse. I was no. like, well, I'm glad I didn't grab paper earlier. I mean, I'm telling you, I've never seen as many brown recluses as we have here, and we have the you know our safety personnel that comes through and they check our fire extinguishers and they check our exit signs and make sure that we're up to code and we don't have extension cords plugged into extension cords and stuff like that but there's an abundance of brown recluses here they really, I know. it seems like they would be addressed when i first started we were doing a photo shoot in the back here and uh we laid down a that um, was on deer sand or deer stand safety and wearing your harness ah phone call there mm -hmm. I can't take it right now but I'll get to that later um, and just you know attach your harness don't be stupid that kind of thing and we laid down a crossbow case we came back Mr. Black Widow was sitting on top of the case yeah. I was reaching down and Mike Lang who worked here at the time said Lee look and you can see the fiddle on the back and he's like hmm he just picked it up and kind of slung it and I was yeah. like and uh the girl doesn't work here anymore was with us. She was like, ah, <laughs> we got another pretty quick. Well, we found a cool uh, uh, Black Widow this year out in the wild and Daniel Boone too. But I'll tell you one cool thing about working up here is that most of your, the employees are pretty keen in on it. Like I remember I was walking back on the gravel road going out to the very back one day and uh, uh, there was a big, huge rat snake on the road. And uh, I can't remember who it was. Patrick that works at Slato and, uh, mm -hmm. and um, John and a couple other people, you know, they just stop and oh, pick it up and hold it. And, you know, most places I feel like you worked, especially in state yeah. government, the people. <laughs> that would have been a hoe to the head, don't <laughs> yeah. you think? Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of cool. Most people up here appreciate the wildlife or are pretty knowledgeable about it. Mm -hmm. What else you got on your sheet over there? I'm enjoying. Well, um, let me see. You went through, all, all the way through best record, fishing trip. Yeah, and record... Uh, Record modern gun uh -huh. harvest That's this a year. That's harvest for the department or a yes. highlight. And um, th then I ran out of stuff. So <laughs> <laughs> I just uh, I, did, I I know we talked about year in review, but I didn't take notes like that. I kind of wish I would have. Well, I did this morning. I was just kind of yeah. year in review. Let's see for the TV show. I could easily go to our YouTube page, our show YouTube page, and scroll through it and tell you the year in review for us because mm -hmm. you can pretty much look at the stories we post and and see what, what's been going on. What was your favorite shoot this year? The favorite one that aired was uh, uh, Trophy Trout Below um, Wolf Creek Dam. And that one, I mean, they were catching eight and nine pound browns, and, you know, seven pound rainbows, just monsters. That was pretty cool. Who y'all with? Um, Lance Sasser. Sasser, yeah. Yeah, Lance Sasser. That, that was a good shoot. I'm trying to think. He of. did the uh, striper one too, where his Planter board stuff were made out of pop bottles stuff. Yeah. Wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, you gotta do what you gotta do. He catches the fish. I'm trying he to, does. I'm trying to think of what some we we had a lot of great shoots. Gigging and shooting bullfrogs was a fun one. They went frog gigging at this pond and then halfway through broke out the air rifle and started shooting with BB guns too and got a mess of frogs, a bunch of big ones too. That was a cool piece. Jameson, Did you eat them? I Jameson shot that one. It was actually filmed with some buddies of his. Um yeah, I've been really busy this year. I mean, I filmed some deer hunts. Um, Jameson did the turkey hunt. Jameson did deer. Uh, I did the elk hunt. The elk hunt was maybe my personal favorite that I went on this year. Mm -hmm. Just because there's something about being out in eastern Kentucky in the mountains, you know, up on top, 
And it was 95 degrees. You know, it always is when I go. Three years ago when I covered another elk hunt, it was 95 degrees. I got great footage. I was trying to illustrate how hot it was, right? I'm talking 95. Mm -hmm. And of course, I get the footage of sweat beating off people's foreheads and whatnot. But uh, there was a uh, a uh, black racer. I think it was a black. I'd have to go back and look at the footage. But I got a great video of it laid out across the trail with the guys walking off in the background. And that kind of illustrates how hot it was, too. It was October. I know. <laughs> and... Uh, that's how it's been my last two elk hunts. But that one was cool because we saw that black bear. That was pretty awesome. And then we got down in the timber and we were walking a ridge out to a, a waller on this um, ridge line. I mean, heavy timber. And this waller was in an oak flat. And it was just crazy the amount of sign. I mean, elk rubs, you know, well up over above my head. Deer rubs. And I mean, there were sign from so much wildlife in that timber flat just because... It was dropping beech oaks, if I remember right. Mm. And there was water there, and we were in the middle of a drought. And so it was it was really cool to do that. And then, of course, the elk we harvested was a really nice one, too. And, yeah, uh, I saw that. It came out. It bugled right there in our faces. And that was, that was a cool shoot. That might be my most enjoyable shoot of the year, just from an experience standpoint, like, you know, being out there and doing it. Uh, my brother was out that same week with my buddy Joe and yep. humped their butts and saw... Mm-hmm. Didn't have one. I'm telling you, man, we uh, we worked hard, um, and that was the, the first elk we saw was the one, excuse me, was the one that we ended up taking. Um, and we heard a lot of elk. We had elk in our faces bugling, but they wouldn't come out of the woods because it was so hot. And we, uh, you know, it's a lot harder to get in there and hunt them in the woods mm-hmm. when you got a camera crew and stuff like that. Oh, no doubt. It's hard to sneak in there on them. But they were just holding tight to the timber, and that's it, it was cool, though. Um, let's see what else I'm looking through my notes we actually kind of touched on a lot of the stuff that I was wanting to I'm dying to get out I would love to go coyote hunting I'm just waiting for the right weather you can educate needs to be colder right you know it doesn't necessarily need to be colder but it needs to be a little less windy for me mm-hmm. and I don't like the bluebird days either I mean you've I've been seeing people have success on those days and they're just maybe more dedicated than I am because I'm looking for that optimal you know i've only got so many spots to hunt right now and i'd like to use them wisely and it's mm-hmm. real easy to educate a coyote if you got bad conditions mm-hmm. all it takes is i'm smelling you and you're probably not going to call them in again so i like to take advantage of it the best way possible we'll talk about coyote hunt more when we have laura on yeah in the future i just want to talk about some potential changes and things that are going I on i was wanting so. to talk to uh, I've, I've been hearing more and more anecdotal stories of people seeing foxes in suburban areas, oh, and yeah. I want to talk had, to Laura about. I've had people sending me pictures of foxes and their streetlights in their neighborhood. Yeah, and but somebody co- said, coyotes are doing a lot of that, aren't they? Aren't they hazing oh, yeah. them out of their? Oh, coyotes are. I mean, they're prevalent in suburban areas, also. You know, I've had people send me in, in St. Matthews. I'm talking like a mile from Drake's. Send me pictures of coyotes walking down the street. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, somebody sent me a picture probably a month ago, and they said, "What is this? It was in our driveway." And they live in a neighborhood, and it was the most beautiful red fox I've ever seen. I was like, well, that is very obviously a red fox. Mm-hmm. Very, very pretty, pretty red fox. Um, so, yeah, I was wondering. I want to talk to Laura about that when we. Yeah, I, wanna, I think it'd be cool to see more about the, what's going on in suburbs. Of, mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they're there, fox and coyote, they're in the suburbs. A lot of people don't realize it. And then when they happen to see one one day, they freak out. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, they're part of the suburbs. I hit one in a neighborhood one time. A um, coyote? First coyote that I ever. No, it wasn't the first coyote ever. I don't know how to describe it. I was driving home one night, and I was driving through 
fairway crossing in Shelby County and I turned a corner and I was literally right in front of Buddy Ryan's house. He lived in that neighborhood. Mm -hmm. and I hit a coyote smack dab right in front of Buddy Ryan's driveway and I did not leave it there. I took it. <laughs> but it was, I mean, that was a suburb coyote right there. Um, let's see. I'm going to get another deer this year, I hope. Got to find time. What, what is today? The 10th? Mm -hmm. Got, Got ten, 10 days. 10 days. And then my Monday, the 20th, is the last day. Martin Luther King Day. Last day of season. Um, I'd like to go trout fishing, musky fishing. I've been getting really good musky fishing reports. but it, Already? Know, yeah, from the rivers in eastern Kentucky. Mm. But it's also a little muddy right now. He's having three, three and four fish days. Really? Yeah. That's yeah. tremendous. Yeah. And this guy... Is that the guy you went out with? Yeah. We're going to try to go out with him on the show, too. Trying to line it up. He's had a lot going on, and the rivers have been muddy. But when we get a good day to go, I think we're going to try to go with him. His name's Tyler. And it's kind of cool, because he fishes on every way you can think of. He has a um, a regular, you know, like a, a, a regular boat with trolling set up on the back so he can troll for muskie. And he also casts for muskie from that boat. And then he has a smaller John boat that he takes out on smaller bodies of water to cast for him. And then he has a smaller pelican. You've seen those plastic pelican yeah. two-person boats with a trolling motor? Yeah. And he puts those on real skinny water. And he'll fish two people out of one of those pelican boats and, you know, a couple of inches of water getting through those riffles. I was thinking it would be really cool to highlight musky fishing out of a pelican boat. No doubt. So that's something I'd, I'd really like. A lot of people those a bass buggy, right? Yeah. I mean, and you can get them cheap. Mm -hmm. You don't need a... a, a $12,000 jet boat to catch muskie. You can go out there in a pelican boat with a, a paddle and do it if you want to, but or a kayak. And we filmed that. I'll probably put Chad on the pelican boat with Tyler, and I'll probably film from a kayak, just kind of hang back. Is yours power drive? Pedal it's drive? Pedal drive, yeah. It's got a, it's a Hobie pedal drive kayak, mm -hmm. which if you watch that last piece we did with Christine Fisher, you can see how they work underwater. Yeah. I've got footage of hers actually working there. I need to watch that. You haven't watched that piece yet? No, I have not. I've got... It slipped my mind. I'm into. I mean, I didn't highlight the pedal drives, but I did. Has it ran yet? Yeah. It was okay. on this past week. It's on Facebook, too. Okay. Um, I included just B-roll shots, like, as they were, like, all right, well, uh, taking off and moving from one spot to another. I stuck the GoPro down underwater, and I got footage. So you can see how the drive on the kayak Chad was in, which was a native Slayer. Mm -hmm. I mean, it has the prop. You know, you mm -hmm. pedal it almost like a bicycle, um, round rotations of the pedals. And it has a prop down there that spins. And then the Hobie is just a back and forth, mm -hmm. you know, like um, like you're pumping the pedals. Yeah. And it has like a fin type drive. Yeah. And I mean, both are pretty good. I'm not, I'll be 100% honest with you. I like the, the Hobie drive system more. And the reason for that. You can make it go flush, right? Yes. Against the bottom. Yeah. It goes flush against the bottom of the kayak. And if you, you can just push the pedals an inch at a time and just barely propel yourself. You know what I mean? Like you can, I, you can just barely pump an, an inch or so and you can move slowly. And of course you can just pedal slower with the other drive system, but you're still doing full rotations. Mm. Like, you know what I mean? When you're pumping, you just mm -hmm. don't, you don't fully extend versus you still have to do the rotation. They both have a reverse. The reverse is easier to use on the native because all you do is pedal backwards. Yeah. With a Hobie, you have to, you know, like adjust the, the pedals, which is pretty easy. Um, all you do is pull a cord and it changes for you, but... I personally like the Hobie system. It's set up more for big, big water. Yeah. Than the native. Yes. Well, that's uh. I talked to Farmer a while back. He has those. He has which one? Like yours. The, the Hobie? Ho big Hobie. He went yeah. all the way across Lake Cumberland on it. That's what I. That's what I was. I mean, not on. long ago, like when it was cold yeah. and caught spotted bass. That's what I was. That's what I did it on when I was telling you about my Cumberland trip mm -hmm. earlier too. I was on the 
the Hobie. Of course, old timer canoe works just fine too. Bobby mm -hmm. proved that. And hell, I could probably cook. I could probably. I mean, he had a coffee press with him. He was pushing coffee beans, <laughs> okay, on the on the canoe. But it can be done in a an old timer canoe too. So y'all were drinking coffee that he made hot coffee in hot, the middle of the night. Hot coffee, two a.m. on the lake. No, oh, it, it was beautiful. I bet that yeah. that is pretty. <laughs> Literally, difficult. I think he probably went two or three hours without taking a cast. He was over there with a spatula flipping sausages. <laughs> and like Bobby enjoys that stuff, man. Yeah, that's one of the good things about Bob is he enjoys that kind of stuff. Good, I enjoy eating. So yeah. A good person to be on the boat with. No doubt. Let's see. And he'll stay up and fish hard. We also took a trip to Nolan this year. And, um, I mean, we were out there catfishing until 5 o'clock in the morning. And uh, we were drifting. Have you ever... I'm not, uh, there was a, a certain amount of wind. I, let's just say for the point of this conversation, the wind was coming out of the west, right? And we went up in a cove that cut into the <clears throat> west side of the lake. So when we got up there, the wind would just drift our boat right back out towards the main lake. So we were throwing, um, like, basically spider rigging catfish poles on bobbers mm -hmm. and just slowly drifting. You know, we'd make a drift for about 25 minutes and reel the poles in. If we didn't catch something, go back up. And we just did that over and over and over. In, in his canoe? This was in a pontoon boat. Hmm. He's got a little fishing boat with a 1984 Evinrude on it and a um, great motor. Mm -hmm. And... But I had a 1984 Johnson 48 on the old smoker craft. That was a hell of a motor. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what brand boat this one was on. Because I had a boat for two years when I was in college, and mm -hmm. it was the motor that was on it. It was just a, I mean, that that motor was old reliable. It would start up every single time. And um, I need to get back out and do some more stuff like that. Soon, no, I'm going to get back out and do more soon. Yeah. I need to quit. I've been, you know, just really busy lately, it feels like trying to transition and everything so mm -hmm. once uh things settle down a little bit we'll get back out there and spend more time outdoors no doubt I feel bad hey i will say our youtube hit a hundred thousand subscribers good deal did i tell you i was expecting that uh yes yeah well that's like a milestone uh, they youtube gives you a little award when you hit a hundred thousand subscribers yeah. and uh you've seen that youtube play button before right that guy aaron weed made a pike bait out of it yes did you ever see that no, I, did you show me that i think i did it catches a huge pike on it well that's what the, i love the, the bananas video you said banana video is really good too um but we, so that we kinda, that. you know i was afraid to eat a banana yesterday and oh. i thought about eating a banana then i got skunked so but i said the hell with it i'm gonna eat a banana next you, time you weren't in a boat though you'd be all right yeah i know i, I should have ate a banana i don't know if the mice or the rats came across in people's waiters or not so. <laughs> wasn't that what it was well because the banana thing set this up um, it's bad I, luck to take a banana on a boat mm -hmm. now, and there's a lot of people out there that believe it. Yeah, they won't let you on their boat with a banana. A guide, well, guides especially. How I found out about it was one of my good friends, his mother and him, and uh, his dad were going out on a charter boat, and she comes down the dock and mm -hmm. carrying a clutch of bananas. Yep. He went, "Ma'am, whoa, 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 whoa!" <laughs> and she said, uh, "What?" He goes, uh, "Please put your bananas on that hook over there." Yeah, and. Uh, she said, but but I want to eat bananas. I like bananas. He's like, bananas do not come on my boat. Man. Yep. She goes, put them on the hook. Believe me, they'll be here when you get back. Yeah. Hell, I'll pay you not to go. She <laughs> yeah. was like, That's when I found out about bananas are bad luck, it's so I wrote a column about it one time. But a lot of it was the banana boats for maximum profit. They used old boats, and they pushed them really hard, and they trucked them out to go as fast as they could, 
and they had a really high rate of accidents. We're not talking about a banana boat like the one LeBron James and Dwayne Wade and Chris Paul ride on. No, no. <laughs> this was on a rusty yeah. clunker that they would beef up to try to get it to go fast as possible because yeah. the, the margin on bananas wasn't that high. So, yeah. Well, hell, they're still only 65 cents a pound. Yeah, so so they had to make maximum profit and maximum profit. And also, bananas go bad quickly. Yeah. So you had to book. So they had a really high rate of accidents. Yeah. And the other thing is, and... Um, when people would bring bananas in from Central America, they often had um, um, tarantulas in them. Mm -hmm. And that got in the, the, the town of Fulton in West Kentucky is a, was a major hub, and it's not anymore, of the Illinois Central Railroad. It was where several met. So that was an icing place for, for bananas going to Kansas City and on to Chicago from New Orleans, because yeah. New Orleans was the major banana port. So they had a bad problem with tarantulas all over Fulton, because when they'd ice the bananas, the tarantulas are coming out of the bananas. It's so, spread out. I so that, that gave them a bad connotation, too. Yeah, that video is cool. I'd, I'd like to recreate that with Kentucky Field sometime. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, it'd be fun. It just but the people don't know. I, I told that Chase one day, and he sent me a video yeah. of, uh, of some dude just hammering fish. They had as many bananas as you could stick in one boat. Yeah, they literally. And they, and they were crushing fish. Their boat was filled with bananas, and they were using uh, banana-colored uh, baits also. Mm-hmm. Banana yellow hammer and walleye. Yeah. Um, I'd like to do that sometime on the show just to disprove it. A lot of times, the best guides we go out with tell us that they don't believe in that. Cheno, Jim mm. Doom. Yeah. They're like, bring the bananas. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> like, those guys have caught enough fish with a banana in their backpack. They, don't, they aren't worried about it. But a lot of people do tell you no bananas. I did, I did one day. I got skunked on Cumberland, which doesn't happen. Fishing live bait in late winter and went to my favorite spots and we had banana nut bread on the boat. Oh, man. But <clears throat> I, I, I'm beginning to fade on my. At one time, I was very hardened on bananas, but now yeah. not so much. Tell us another shoe that I. <laughs> So that same guy who does, did the banana video does a thing called 39 Hours, okay? <clears throat> and the, the guy we're talking about, his name's Aaron Weeb. His, his YouTube channel's Uncut Angling. And so 39 Hours was probably my favorite fishing show that I'd watched on YouTube, right? And it was a series where they have teams of two competing against each other, and they have 39 hours to catch as many different species as they can and the team that catches the biggest of each species gets a point for that species, right? So if, if I'm on a team and I catch a 15-inch a sauger, and you're on a team, you catch a 16-inch sauger, your team gets a point for that. And there's only one point available for each species, you know? So they're kind of running and gunning, going all over the place, trying to catch as many different types of fish as they can. And towards the end of it, you know, it's coming down to, can we catch a 10-inch creek chub <laughs> or, you know, looking for uh, just junk fish, moon eyes and things like mm -hmm. that. Um, I mean, it would be fun to pit Chad against somebody on a multi-species, like a one-day thing. Yeah, 30, yeah, that and, would be fun. But so, I mean, that'll probably not be able to happen just because there's two boats and two mm -hmm. people. It's a lot. But I started thinking, where would you go to if you had one day to catch as many different species as you could, where would you go in Kentucky? I've got my answer. I've, I know my answer. And you can jump from one body of water to the other. Just like if you're going from, from you know, Cave Run to Green River, it's going to take you two hours of travel during mm -hmm. the day. So if you had one day. Oh, where would all the different places like I where, would go? Like what area would you focus on or what bodies of water? Would well, you? I'd probably have to add Kentucky Lake Barkley because then you have the lakes, then you have the tailwaters, you have the Ohio River tailwater, you mm -hmm. have all that concentrated. That's probably, that's a good answer. I was thinking Cumberland. But I, that was my initial answer, and I got thinking about it more. Yes, Cumberland, because then you've got, you can catch four species of trout now in the tailwater. 
You can catch all kinds of different species in the lake. Well, if you, I you would, can drive an hour and be at Dalhalla and catch smallmouth. And, I'd go to the lake and catch bluegill and crappie and largemouth and smallmouth and stripes. And spotted bass. And, you know, and um, I'd go to the tailwater and I'd- Walleye. I'd hit walleye and sauger and catfish and sturgeon and the trout and mm -hmm. the striper. I mean, you're talking about, what, 14 very doable species mm -hmm. on any given day between the lake and the tailwaters at Cumberland. Now, I still think Barclay and Kentucky probably probably have We well, catch all three black bass, catch all the catfish species, they have sauger. You got your Asian carp species. Yes, you, you got all, <laughs> all the Asian carp species. Well, the one of the reasons, one day I was fishing there throwing the, what we call the little green grub that could. It's that famous Kentucky Lake green grub mm -hmm. and with the red head. And uh, threw up shallow. I remember we were crappie fishing, but I caught a, a, a big fat bluegill then I went a little bit deeper and I caught a spotted bass. I went a little deeper and caught a, like a 15 inch largemouth, a little deeper and I think I finally caught a crappie but he wasn't very big and then a little deeper after that I was like, what is this? And it was a 21 inch drum. Man. And that was all on the same point. I didn't even think about the rough fish like a drum or mm -hmm. a, a buffalo or a mm -hmm. quillback. Or yeah, you've got all those. those there too. So. And basically, you what we need to do. I've is, caught a lot of drum in Kentucky Lake. We need to look at that poster that Rick did. All the uh, skip Jack Herring in there too. All the all the fish of Kentucky poster that Rick did, and just think which ones of these could you not catch at Cumberland, or which one could you not catch at Kentucky mm -hmm. Barkley? Honestly, the only ones I think you couldn't catch at Kentucky and Barkley would be the trout. Trout. Those are the only ones. Because you can catch striper and hybrids in the tailwater. Yeah, those, those would probably be the only. And there's ones. white bass in Barkley. Pretty decent white bass population in Barkley. Um, yeah, it's hard to say. I kind of think that Cumberland might be the, the winner there, mm -hmm. though, just because of the trout. The yeah. trout and the sturgeon, too. And, uh, there and are the sturgeon. There are sturgeon in the tailwaters. I've seen them in the tailwaters of Barkley in Kentucky, and there's paddlefish, too. So, really, it would be the walleye. Well, you can catch walleye in the river there, can't you? Yeah, you can catch walleye below Kentucky and Barkley. Can you? Uh, well, they, if it's the direct connect to the Ohio River. Yeah, I, I guess see. you could. I never have done it, but I don't know. That's a toss-up. But you catch sauger for sure. Yeah. I caught a sauger at conservation camp at Camp Curry. Maybe we need to pit on a mina. Lance Sasser against Jim Doom one day. Most species wins or something like that. Yeah. Uh, my, money would almost, my money would almost have to go to Jim, though. Yeah. Just because he does the pan fishing, too. Mm -hmm. I think if we were saying we need a trophy striper caught in two hours, I'd go to Sasser or a trophy trout. Mm-hmm. But for multi-species, gems are to beat. But that's a, that's a cool thought, though. Thinking about if you you know where would you go to catch the most variety of fish? Yeah, that's, I'm gonna... I, that was my first and second was Barkley Kentucky Complex. Yeah, so, yeah. Cumberland, and that'd be a toss-up almost. Yeah, the you know? thing about Kentucky and Barkley is they're almost the same lake. Mm. You know what I mean? Yes. Because I mean, I'm not sure there's a huge difference. Obviously, the I've seen the tailwater too, and then you have the Ohio River tailwater pretty close by yeah. too at Smithland. So. Yeah. Hmm, that's a good thought. What else you got, Lee? I'm I'm ready to wrap it up if you are. Um, uh, well, what what I have is 2020 is going to be a great fishing and hunting year. I hope so. I hope so. It's just about the. Rain. I just would like to have regular weather patterns, not yeah. record lake levels in February and drought in October. Give I don't me, want that crap. Give me a uh, a winter, spring, summer, and fall, please, <laughs> and then followed by yes. another winter. Like give yes. me give me the seasons. Yeah, I don't want winter in March. I want winter now, it's, and in March I want it gradually warming, and then in May I want it pretty. In June getting hotter. Yeah, 
No, give, give me brutal temperatures in the middle of the summer. summer. It's fine with me. I'll go creek fishing. I'll go wade fishing. Oh, it's the best. Yeah, but it's like right now, 60 degrees out on January the 10th, and they were looking at six inches. Record high tomorrow. Really? If it gets to 70s, it'll be record high. My gosh, 70s. 70s. I know. And then they're looking at, you know, they were calling for originally five or six inches of rain over today and tomorrow. Not going to get it now, it looks like. But if we would have got that. Just west stuff, as it looks like, they're going to get crushed. Well, you're talking about the how bad the water would be for a month if no. that happened. And it's just. Junk. Yeah. And Junk it, water. It affects everything. Anyway, and I want to go do your favorite technique. I want to hit the float and fly sometime. <laughs> but we need stable my, conditions. My favorite technique. <laughs> you and Chad's favorite. <laughs> Man, it's, just, it's a good technique. Yeah, like Chad hates it. <laughs> I, I'll be honest with you. Like, I, I've told you how I felt. Like, it's a good way to catch big smallmouth. Mm-hmm. Or probably big of any type of fish that time of year. I've caught some big bluegill on it. <clears throat> but you can. Spotted it's, bass. It's a great way to catch big smallmouth. But when I am sitting on Del Hollow Lake with a pole in my hand, mm. I just have a hard time just standing there, you know? Yeah. I, like, I feel like I need to be making casting. I mean, yeah, we caught big fish when we did it. I've only done it the one day. Um, caught big fish, and I know it's a good way to do it. But I feel pretty confident being able to catch good fish throwing a swim bait or a jig yeah. that time of year, too, you know? And that keeps me moving, and I'm feeling the bottom and feeling structure and, mm-hmm. and getting snags out and all kind of keep myself a little bit more entertained but yeah. it's a good it's a good technique it is and if somebody wants to know how to do that we've talked about it before so mm-hmm. I'm not gonna we, hit did, it. we did a big one last year on yeah, yeah. i'm not going to hit it again but there's a video on youtube of, of kentucky field video for the float and fly mm-hmm. so you can get on there and look Honestly, chad and i did one two years ago yeah. with the guy from uh chris poor who was working at the herald leader at the time it was 28 degrees and snowing and we caught fish what's chad always tell me anytime i tell chad that me and you were talking about fishing he always uh Says, did he tell you about a spy bait? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's like the third cast on the spy bait. I got a nice one. Yeah, man. Chad said you were so excited. Oh, uh, it was killer. He said every time he saw you for uh, for a year after that, he'd be like, <laughs> you've been throwing that spy bait in? <laughs> <laughs> well, they're $15 a piece. I bought three of them. It was $45 yeah. of the Duo Realis. Well, hold on to them, man. Yeah. All right, Lee, let's call it quits. Well, glad we did it again. Sorry, folks. We had some time off uh, Christmas and all that, but... We're we're uh, bright-eyed, bushy tails, and we'll be we'll be back on it. Yes, and thankfully not a bushy tail in, in real life though, because yeah. they're, they're in season. No, no doubt. <laughs> but, right. you know, that's an old saying. Thanks, Lee. All right, man.